0: UEG Talks, gastroenterology to go. Welcome to our GI podcast. Listen for fresh insights and perspectives in science, education, and professional development.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Ergle, and I'm the host of UEG Talks, educational and hopefully fun dive into GI world and beyond. We are currently on a very special roll of series, The Best of UEG Week. And I'm very excited to announce that Julia Maierle, the chair of UEG Scientific Committee, has joined us today, co hosting this very special episode. Welcome, Julia.
0: Thank you very much, Igle. I'm really glad to be here and have a 15 minute exchange betwe- with Juna Kim, whom I really like and really looking forward to this podcast series.
1: So, Julia, today we're talking all things best of pancreas, a very near dear topic to you. How was YouTube Week for pancreas Lovers? Well, I mean, you all
0: know that we had tons of abstracts. And um, so we received 3,858 abstracts and we were able to actually present 2,666. And in those, we were actually able to award to one of the pancreas abstract, to Paul Lapotta, one of the best abstract prize awardees, which is 10,000 euros on one side, a lot of uh, prestige, but more importantly, it also shows that there's a, a excellent research in the field of pancreatology and that this research is actually presented at UEG. And that made me very happy. And now let me just tell you um, for which abstract you have to watch out. So so um, Paul um, Lopata submitted an abstract on oncogenic GNAs and KRAS signaling collectively drive dysplasia in an IPSC-derived organoid model for cystic pancreatic neoplasia. And I'm pretty sure that this is also a very interesting abstract for our um, co-host today. I'm pretty sure you can agree on that.
1: So, uh, you already hinted that the program was packed with everything from basic science and precancerous lesions in PDAC biology to everything to tandem talks between surgeons and endoscopists. And you already hinted that we have a very, very special guest today. Could you introduce her more broadly then? Please?
0: Yeah, sure. So, Gina Kane is a gastroenterologist from Rotterdam. Her... Academic affiliation is the Erasmus Medical Center. I know Duna for many years because she was involved as a PhD in the treatment of chronic pancreatitis and showed that probably surgery is superior to endoscopy. Something very brave to do for a gastroenterologist. Um, but nowadays she is much more involved in surveillance of high-risk cohorts for pancreatic cancer, and she has set up the PACIFIC trial um, for pancreatic cysts, so neoplastic cysts. And I'm pretty sure that the research or the results of this research will be equally important for the future treatment options of pancreatologists and our patients. And therefore, I'm really happy that Juna um, joins us today in this podcast. Welcome, uh-huh.
2: Thank you. Yes. No, I enjoy it. Uh, I'm looking forward to a nice discussion with Julia.
0: <laughs> so, Dina, you know, how did you enjoy the
2: UEG uh, week? Well, I enjoyed it very much. I mean, the past few years have made clear to us how important it is to meet in person. And this, uh, this meeting was incredible. It's getting bigger and bigger, but also the quality is... Uh, is still improving every year it's such a great meeting and i think it's uh, surpassed the digestive disease week's week both in numbers and quality and also what i like very much is that the role of women is improving you yourself julia you play a prominent role of course we have a president who is a female uh, female and then you you see more and more Shares being female, so that is very encouraging uh, to me. Not, not, not to forget our yeah. um,
0: secretary, secretary, yes, and exactly. uh, I mean, she yes. also shows us that what we both love, endoscopy, is a is a major focus not only of pancreatologists but also in the field of gastroenterology and in the, in the GI yeah. community. So it really plays an important yes. part, and we are at the forefront. So, Juna, yes. if you would want to tell me what would be your groundbreaking paper or talk and why do you think this is really groundbreaking?
2: Yes. Um, well, I uh, chose one talk that I spe- particularly think is groundbreaking and of course it's related to my own research but it was a japanese paper uh, an investigation on uh dna as biomarker but this time not in serum but in uh, pancreatic juice which we are also interested in and my group is working on but also and that i think is groundbreaking in duodenal fluid so not only they t- took sample from the pancreas from the pancreas by cannulating the pancreatic duct, but also from the duodenal fluid just by uh, suc- suctioning it in in the endoscopic channel, and they were able to uh, differentiate and identify uh, pancreatic ductal uh, uh, or mutations that uh, are typical for PDEC, and also they were able to uh, differentiate different stages of PDEC. So if this works and if this turns out to be as reliable as it seems to be, then this is a way, it's a new form of liquid biopsy that we can use very easily. So I think it's quite uh, fascinating. So what were the control groups
0: um, this Japanese group used?
2: Yeah, no, so they had three groups in fact. They had uh, patients, they had uh, three two hundred 296 patients from seven institutions from which they, uh, uh collected samples, PDEC cases, 175, and then IPMN, so these were benign lesions, 61, and other pancreatic diseases, also benign. So they, uh, looked at different groups with malignancy and without and looked at the DNA profile of these two groups and found significant differences that were uh, uh, made, Were able to uh, establish and classify these two from, and distinguish them from each other.
0: So, and, and
2: I guess the driver mutation in there was KRAS, or? They didn't specifically allude on which uh, mutations they found, but they looked at the profile and they looked at the profile of the... Um, Duodenal fluid was identical to the profile of the malignancy, so they found that this d- this DNA is typical for the for the malignancy.
0: Okay, I mean this is a very interesting study. However, I would I would definitely want to have some say validation for the reason that I remember very well when I started my career, everybody was measuring KRAS in duodenal (laughs) uh, fluid and also in pancreatic duct. And I mean, if you know that you get a KRAS mutation in 65% of chronic pancreatitis patients, the question is, yes, in the present of a cancer, you might probably find the genetic profile because there are cells which are actually excreted into the duodenum. But the question is, how is the sensitivity and specificity uh, in benign diseases? And um Given the enormous well, impact of such a diagnosis, um, I'm really looking forward to, say, the full paper at first, and yes. then probably some exactly. validation studies.
2: Yes, but that's why it's groundbreaking in a sense that we need to know more. It's just a preliminary result. But, I mean, if it's true that we can really establish the DNA profile from the fluid, then we have a lot of options.
0: That's true that's that's absolutely true. So any new signs that will challenge our clinical practice
2: at UEG this year for the pancreas? Well, I was present at a very lively session, and uh, during the session, there were already uh, pros and cons and and people agreeing and not, and this was uh, caused by a talk from the from my own country, Uncle Onakind who is a member of the Pancreatitis pancreatitis Working Group, presented a randomized controlled trial uh, that evaluated uh, uh, the trial was on endoscopic sphincterotomy to prevent pancreatitis after uh, metal stent placement for malignant biliary obstruction. And it was a large multi-center trial. Nineteen hospitals from the Netherlands uh, participated. And... um, uh, They looked at uh, the pancreatitis rate and found actually they randomized 259 patients, uh, 125 and 134 in each group. And they found that the rate of pancreatitis did not differ between the two. So uh, uh, performing sphincterotomy did not protect against pancreatitis. The percentages were 17% and 21%. So no significant difference between groups. And it was interesting because the conclusion of the talk was that we can leave out the sphincterotomy. And afterwards there was a very lovely discussion where uh the centers from the Netherlands, of course, uh said that they had start changed their practice based on these results and, and now omit the sphincterotomy while for instance Verona uh said that they would never uh stop doing this.
0: Well, I found that a very interesting discussion for the reason that I would probably in a first instance side with Verona and the the reason I would give is that A, coming from the pathophysiology of pancreatitis and duct obstruction of the pancreatic duct being after, say, the OP hypothesis one, um, the cause of acute pancreatitis and also the cause of post-ESCP pancreatitis. So, And obviously, Uh if you don't do a sphincterotomy due to the anatomy, the stent will, at least in a percentage, depending on the papilla anatomy, um, block pancreatic outflow. The second reason why why I would be hesitant to accept that is that we know if we don't do a sphincterotomy, but balloon dilatation, in patients with impaired uh, coagulopathy, um, the Japanese data clearly show that there's an increased incidence of post ESCP pancreatitis. And the only explanation for the striking finding, and I very much understand that it's a randomized controlled trial, is that the, the trial was restricted to, ben- uh, to malignant disorders where you would think that if you have a pancreatic head obstruction uh, or pancreatic head cancer, the obstruction is longstanding. And therefore, you have already an atrophic pancreas, which doesn't react to the stimulizer or um, continuous obstruction with pancreatitis. So what are your personal uh-huh. thoughts on that, Duna? You're you're active uh, endoscopist. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure yes, you have yes,
2: yes. Um, ideas. Well, I... I think actually, I I agree with you with the passive physiology behind it, but that's why I think this paper is so fascinating because you do the trial expecting it to be a preventive measure against pancreatitis. And in fact, it turned out not to be, and that's quite spectacular result. And then we as clinicians always are hesitant to let go of our old ways. And I think, I mean, you you explain it very well. You you think that it will help, but in fact, it didn't in this instance. So uh, that makes it difficult. Uh, and I remember even after my own trial, the the pancreatic ductus obstruction and and surgery turning out to to uh, show better results. That uh, we said, why perform a randomized control at all if you don't respond on the results. So in this case, I think, in fact, in my practice, I now do not do a me in advance uh, routinely anymore.
0: So what was the precise numbers of post-ERCP pancreatitis in the, say, uh, in both groups?
2: Was that higher or lower as expected? Well, it was quite uh, high. It was 17 uh, percent in so you had the uh, syndrotoy group, which consists of 125 people, 23 cases of pancreatitis, which makes out 17 percent, and then you had the other group, 134 p- individuals uh, in the control group, 26 developed pancreatitis, which was 21 percent. so no significant difference between the two.
0: Okay, so let's move on because there, there, there have been more interesting studies um, at OEG. And so my next question is, do you think there's any knowledge gained which will challenge existing standards?
2: Yeah, well, there were two studies on the microbiome, the role of the microbiome in relation to disease security in acute pancreatitis. And I think this is a subject that fascinates me already for years, if only because of the Propatia trial. I don't, I'm sure you remember, which almost cost the career of Mark Bessling because it was uh, much debated where uh, probiotics were given to uh, patients with uh, severe acute pancreatitis. And in fact, mortality was higher in the probiotics group. So we knew already that uh, the microbiome plays a role in this sense, but we, didn't know how and and how to manipulate it. And now there have been published two studies uh, were presented at the UEG. One German study where they collected 832 samples both buccal and and rectal from 400 patients from 16 European centers. And they found significant differences uh, in the beta diversity uh, in the rectal samples that predicted severity and mortality. So... Obviously, there are some. There is a, a microbiome pattern that predicts uh, and and perhaps influences disease in a negative way, and that was also endorsed by a second study from uh, the, from the Netherlands again uh, from the pancreatitis working group, where they uh, prospectively included uh, samples from twenty hospitals in acute pancreatitis patients, of which uh, fifty seven developed necrotizing pancreatitis and twenty one. Uh, infected necrosis and they looked specifically at the uh, microbiome of those with infection and not and they found that there were two species that were much more pro- prominent in patients that had developed effective, uh, infect- infected necrosis and those were enterococcus in the rectal swabs and staphylococcus in saliva. So the, these two uh, seem to predict a more uh, severe disease course. And of course, if we were able to manipulate in a very specific way in the early disease course and, uh, and this way prevent infection uh, of necrosis, that will be brilliant.
1: So maybe this is a good point to end because we promised 15 minutes, but it's a testament to the fact that UG had a lot to offer for pancreas lovers. Juna Julia, thank you so so much for joining us, sharing your insights, your recommendations, and uh, bright highlights for the future development. And it was very great to have you here. Thanks. You're so welcome. I enjoyed it a lot. So did I. So with this, I would like to end the episode. I hope the audience will enjoy it as well, and we'll check all the abstracts that you mentioned and will follow through with the next studies in the field. So we are ending this, and um, please don't forget to check in on the 22nd of November, where Julia Mayerle and Tim Reiner will discuss the very best of IBGE field had to offer during the UG week of 2023. Thank you so much, and goodbye.